Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. When my kids were little, they're all pretty well grown now. I mean, not adults, but, you know, they're not little, little anymore. And when my kids were little, it was kind of funny to watch them watch a suspenseful movie. Anyone else in the room enjoy watching people get scared? It's, it's the funniest thing to me. I can watch, like, YouTube videos all day of people getting jump scared, and it's just, like, the most fun I'll have all day long, right? So, but when my kids were little and there was a suspenseful movie, right, they would be on the edge of their seats, and as a father... I had trouble watching them squirm. So I would start to feed them hints or let them know what was going to happen in the movie. They just, it was uncomfortable for them, right? So I would tell them what's going to happen. Like Jurassic Park, look, the person's going to be all right. They're going to survive. The movie Signs, anybody ever watch the movie Signs with Mel Gibson about the alien invasion or whatever, right? I would have to tell them, hey, it's all right. This is what's going to happen because I would feed them information so that they would know what's going to take place. Why? Because... For the most part, we as humans, we have a fear of the unknown. We feel uncomfortable when we are in situations that we cannot control and that we do not understand on our own. So we have this fear of the unknown. I didn't want my children to struggle with that, so I would tell them what was coming in that suspenseful movie. In the same sense, your heavenly father does not want for you to be stressed out or upset or you know, to wonder what's happening in the world today. And because of that, he sent Jesus, his son, to tell us what's going to happen at the end before it happens. Does this make sense to you? Right? He doesn't want these things that, that are happening in our culture and in our world to be taking us off guard. So he tells us ahead of time what's coming so that we can be prepared, so that we're not stressed out, so that we're not on the edge of our seats, so that we look at what's happening in our world and in the news cycles and in our culture, and we say this is exactly what Jesus said was going to happen. And even though I'm not in control, I know the one who is in control, and he's working this all out, and I can trust in him. Amen? So look at your Bibles, let's take it open, Luke chapter 17, and we're going to look at Jesus' words concerning the end of days, the end of time. Uh, Beginning in verse 20, we kind of will recap a little bit here. Verse 20 says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and he said, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is or there, for behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. And we looked at this a couple weeks ago. The kingdom of God is in your presence now. It's in your midst. It's among you even today. The kingdom of God is already and the kingdom of God is not yet. We're kind of in between. The spiritual kingdom has arrived. The physical reign of Christ is not yet, but it's coming. Okay, this is what Jesus is getting at. Now look at verse 22. Then he says to his disciples, the days are coming when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. You're going to long for these days like we have right now, where we walk together and where I taught you and where you were able to glean from me in person. You're going to want these days. You're, you're going to look back at these days longingly and you will not see it. Verse 23. And they will say to you, look there, look here. Do not go out or follow them. Okay, the first thing I want us to take note of here, if you're following along, maybe you're following along at home, you can check it out on the app. It's already filled out for you in some sense. But if you have it in person, take out your outlines. The first thing I want us to look at is the condition of man. 
the symptoms of man. The first symptom that we see here that these people were going to be struggling with at the end of days is there's going to be a great deception. Man will be deceived. Look, they're going to come and they're going to say, look, the kingdom of God has arrived. There it is. Go follow it. Follow after this kingdom or this teaching or that teaching or this rabbi or that rabbi or this TV evangelist or that TV evangelist. Go follow them. It's a move of God. The kingdom of God is here. He says, don't let them deceive you. Don't follow after those things. Jesus was saying there was going to come a deception at the end of days. And so too did Paul. And so too did Peter. And so too did John. They all spoke in their epistles about a deception that would be coming at the end of days. Look at what it says in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. It says, The coming of the lawless one is by activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so to be saved. That the coming of the lawless one, they'll be deceiving actions, deceiving miraculous deeds, signs and wonders that will accompany the false one, the false Christ, the antichrist, and with wicked deception, He's going to lead people astray. That word deception, it means to mislead. It means to convince someone to believe something that is contrary to the truth. We look around today, and this is what's happening. There's so many people that are being deceived, that are being led astray by false teachings. It's all over the church, especially here in America, but not just in America. These things are happening in Asia and in Africa. These false teachers coming in with these deceiving words to lead astray people, to convince them to believe something contrary to the truth. Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 24. He says this, For false Christs and false prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. The enemy even wants to lead the elect astray. He wants to pull you from the presence of God. He wants to convince you to believe a lie rather than the truth. His sole purpose is to rob Jesus of the blessing that Jesus received on the cross when he paid for your sins and purchased your soul by suffering and bleeding on that cross. The enemy wants to lead you astray. He wants to lead you down the false path. He wants you to wander, literally, from the truth. He wants you to move around without purpose, without calling, without perspective. This is what the word to lead astray means. He wants you to stray from the truth. You've got to be careful. In our culture today, what does it look like to be led astray? Well, if I were to write a novel or if I were writing a movie, maybe I would write something like this, where there would be some sort of major event, crisis, catastrophe that would happen that would cause the economy to crumble and to collapse. But you know what I'd do? I'd step in and I would give some sort of stimulus money to young families and get them accustomed to living off of that stimulus check. And then one day, once they're really in the palm of my hand and they're relying upon that money, I'll take that money away unless they do what I ask them to do. Maybe that's what would happen. Maybe that's how people would be led astray. Maybe there would be a worldwide, some sort of, I don't know, medical emergency, right? And it would cause this chaos that would happen. And then I would just say, you know what? I can come in. I can fix things. I can make things right. You need to trust in me for your safety and your security. And if you'll just follow me for your safety and security, everything will be okay. If I was going to leave someone astray, maybe that's a ploy that I would use. You need to be careful. The Bible says, Jesus said that in the last days, there will be a great deception. They're going to say, look, follow this or follow that for your safety. There's your Messiah. There's your Savior. That's how you'll be made safe or kept safe. 
don't follow all of those things. You need to search all of the scriptures. You need to run all of that through a filter that is the word of God, right? So listen to what it says here. This is in John chapter 10. I really hope that each of you would maybe find this to be the case in your life. But Jesus said this speaking about the good shepherd. In verse 2 he says, but... He who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought them out all on his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because the sheep know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Who are you following today? Are you following the voice of the good shepherd? Are you following Jesus' voice? You cannot follow Jesus' word if you do not know his word. The only way you're going to recognize something is a lie is if you're acquainted with the truth. This is the truth. If you want to recognize deception, if you want to recognize someone trying to lead you astray, you have to know what the truth is. You have to know what the word says. That's found right here. This is the only place that you'll find that truth. And Jesus' words are in red in a lot of versions, so it's very easy for you to find those words, Right? So here, check this out. Think about this for a moment. In Acts chapter 17, the scripture says that there were a group of people called the Bereans who they were more noble than the rest because they searched the scriptures to make sure that what was being taught from the pulpit was accurate. We need to be those Bereans. I might be up here preaching, but I need to be a Berean as well. And I don't want just to spoon feed you. I want you to make sure that what I'm saying is accurate. Is this really here? Because it's not my word that has power. It's God's word that has power that will keep you from being led astray, right? Amen. So people will be deceived. There might be a crisis. They might come and offer a solution. And they might come and say, if you'll just follow us, things will be okay. Right? Beware of these things. How about the deception of those who say that Jesus is delaying his coming? that he's not coming right away. That's a great deception as well. Why? Because it baits people into believing that they have all the time in the world to get their lives right with God. Jesus could come in our next breath, and where would we be then? Even John the Baptist, think about John the Baptist for a moment. John the Baptist, you know, Jesus said amongst men there was no one greater than John the Baptist, right? No one greater than John the Baptist. Even John the Baptist, when he was taken and he was persecuted and he was thrown in prison by Herod because he was preaching truth, because he was calling Herod sin, sin, he sends his disciples to go ask Jesus, are you the Messiah that we've been waiting for or should we wait for somebody else? And Jesus says, go back and tell John all of the miraculous things that you see happening, the word that is being preached to the poor. Go and tell your master, your rabbi, John the Baptist, what is happening here. What was going on in John's heart? He was suffering in prison, and he begins to doubt, was I right? Did I have this right? Is this the one that we were waiting for? Because I just have this sense, if this was the one I would be waiting for, I wouldn't be suffering like this. Why is he waiting? Why is he delaying? Don't fall into that trap of people that say, hey, he's delaying, he's delaying, he's delaying, he's not. In Matthew chapter 25, the parable of the 10 virgins, there's five foolish and five wise. But you realize it says that when midnight came, they'd been waiting all day for the bridegroom to come. But when midnight came, there was a cry that was heard throughout the streets. The bridegroom comes and it says that all 10 of them, they were awoken from their sleep and they had to trim their lamps. What does that tell me? That tells me that every single one in the place, in the room, had fallen asleep. Even the wise ones had fallen asleep because they thought Jesus had delayed. The bridegroom is delayed. Are you sleeping this morning? 
You need to wake up. Jesus is not delaying. You need to get your life right today. You need to put your spiritual house in order today. If there are sins, if there are threads of sins in your life that you are allowing to just hang on there, that you keep falling or going back to, and you know you need to cut these things out of your life, you need to do that today. Because I cannot guarantee you tomorrow. Jesus is not delayed. He's right on time. It just so happens that I don't know when that time is. Neither do you. That's the point. It could come in our next breath. So they were deceived. Secondly, I want you to see this. The people were unprepared. This is a symptom of the people in the end times, all right? This is what people will be like. First, they'll be deceived. Second, they're going to have the symptom of being unprepared. Look at what it says in verse 24, Luke 17. We're in this text together. It says, for as the lightning flashes and lights up the sky from one side to the other, so will the Son of Man be in his day. Just like lightning flashes, it comes suddenly, right? You guys know light travels faster than sound. So the lightning comes first and then the thunder. There's no warning for the lightning, right? The lightning comes and then the thunder rolls, right? So just like that, that's how it's going to be when the Son of Man comes. There will be no warning other than what we're reading today. It's going to come suddenly in a flash just like that and people will be unprepared. In the book of Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, the apostle Paul said that it's going to be like in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to be changed. A twinkle in the eye, okay? Now, people who study such things, and I don't know how they know these things, they say that in that twinkling of an eye, it's like one twinkle for every 20 blinks. That's how sudden this is going to happen. It's going to happen suddenly, and we will not be prepared for this. If you blink, you're going to miss it. Now, that phrase, twinkling of an eye, is a Hebrew idiom basically saying that if you blink, you'll miss this, right? That's what Paul is trying to get at. Do not blink, because if you blink, the Son of Man will return and you're going to miss it. Don't fall asleep, don't even blink, is what the word says. That's frightening, isn't it? Especially because many of us are spiritually sleeping. Don't even blink. You can't even afford to blink, let alone sleep, right? Now look at what it says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, when the people are saying there's peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. I cannot tell you how stressed out I was when Sarah's water broke with Caleb, our first child. It came so suddenly. I thought I was prepared. We had bags packed and ready and everything. And then her water broke. And all of a sudden, like, I forgot that what I was supposed to do as a human being, right? Everything went out the window. I was completely unprepared for that moment as a first-time father. Nothing will prepare you for that. That's what it's going to be like in these days. Like the pains upon a pregnant woman when she goes into labor, it's going to come upon you suddenly like this. Now, I have some slides here I want to share with you because I think that what is important in this text that we're looking at in Thessalonians is it says when they say peace and safety, then this sudden destruction is going to come upon you, like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Okay? Now, I don't know if you've been following what's been happening in Europe with this UN climate change convention called COP26. Have you guys seen what's going on with this? Well, the Pope and the Catholic Church gathered together a group of ecumenical religious leaders and they had everyone sign this agreement, like 40 people signed this agreement that they sent to this COP26, which was basically a reiteration of the first letter that he wrote to his bishops when he came into office or when he came into power. And what this letter stated is that as the Catholic Church, we need to be more concerned about the ecological health of the, the world, that we need to be able to steward the world's resources better. All right, so he gets together with this, and pull up that first, that first one here. Look at this. 
So world leaders set to gather for the COP26 climate change. The Pope sends this letter off. It's called Laudato Si. What does Laudato Si mean? Laudato Si literally means praise be to you. And it's a seven-year plan that the Pope has put in place with the Catholic Church to change the way they do things in order to preserve more of the world's natural resources and to encourage the world to become more, I guess, more conservative when it comes to the world's natural resources. Sounds like a a reasonable thing, right? Okay, now this should set off fireworks in our head because the scripture says in Daniel chapter 9 that the final seven-year tribulation of the world will begin with a seven-year covenant that the Antichrist will sign with many nations. Now, I'm not saying that Pope is the Antichrist today. I'm not saying that this is the seven-year covenant that that's speaking of. But what I am saying is we need to read what's happening in the world through the lens of Scripture. So here is a seven-year covenant that is being signed by all of these nations of the world, bringing all of these nations of the world together in order to sign this seven-year plan of action. So look at this. This is what literally the, the Laudato Sea is calling for, what the Pope's calling for in this plan, response to the cry of the earth, response to the cry of the poor, ecological economics, adoption of sustainable lifestyles, ecological education, ecological spirituality, I don't know what that even is, community engagement and participatory action. Now, again, this just seems interesting, doesn't it, that this is happening during these days when all of this other chaos is going on, right? Now, just recently, They had wanted to enact this around May, but they postponed it. And actually, this is going to go into place right around this time, mid-November. You can see this slide up here. Mid-November, this is going to happen. The Laudato Sea Action Plan launch pushed back to mid-November. He wanted to wait until after this UN Climate Change Convention before he put Laudato Sea into action and get buy-in from the nations of the world. When they say peace and safety, when the world comes together and signs this agreement, then sudden destruction will come upon them. Again, am I saying that this is that treaty? No. I'm saying that we have to read what's happening in the world and say, how could this fit into what Jesus told me? He's trying to give me the answers before it happens. He doesn't want me to be caught off guard when these things take place. He wants me to be prepared. I need to be like that virgin that has her lamp lit that is waiting for the return. You see? All of these things falling into place. So look at what it says here again, back in Luke chapter 17. Verse 25 says, but first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. Speaking of himself, Jesus is speaking of himself. He knows he's going to suffer. He knows he's going to be rejected. Verse 26, just as it was written in the days of Noah, so will it be in the days of the son of man. They were eating and drinking and marrying and being given in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, just as it was in the days of Lot, they were eating and drinking, buying and selling, planting and building. But on that day, the day when Lot went out from Sodom, fire and sulfur rained down from heaven and destroyed them all. So not only will the people be deceived, not only will the people be unprepared, but thirdly, the people will be wicked. This is the symptoms that we will see at the end of time, Jesus says, when you should be waiting for the end, these will be the symptoms present in the lifestyles of people. They will be wicked beyond repair. If you recall, what was it like in the days of Noah? This is actually what it says here, what God's word says in Genesis chapter 6. It says, the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention and thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he'd made man on the earth and it grieved him to his heart. So what does God do? He finds one righteous person 
and that family, and he brings them, and he hides them in an ark. He puts them in an ark when he floods the world with his wrath. He pours out flood, and the floodwaters come and wipes out the population of the world because of the evil and wickedness was, that was there. Jesus says, at the end, it will be like it was in the days of Noah when wickedness and evil ran rampant throughout the earth. Is there anyone in the room that would refute whether or not we're living in the days of evil and wickedness today? Just like it was in the days of Noah, it's happening today. The other thing that is interesting about the days of Noah is, is Noah went out preaching righteousness. Noah went out preaching truth and the people rejected it. He's building an ark and we don't know exactly how many years it took, but it took decades for Noah to build this ark, decades to build this craft that these animals would go on and that his family would go into and be spared from the wrath that was to come. And all the while, people are saying, Noah, what's going on? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? There's gonna come a flood. There's gonna come a flood. Rains are gonna happen. There's gonna come a flood. And the people mocked him. In 2 Chronicles chapter 36, you can read this later on. The people in those days were wicked as well. And it says, and I'll just read to you this particular text because I think it's important. But the people responded the same way to the preaching of the prophets like Jeremiah that they were responding to Noah in Noah's day. Look at what it says here about them. The Lord, the God of their fathers, sent persistently to them messengers because he had compassion on his people and on the dwelling place. And they kept mocking those messengers, despising his words and scoffing at his prophets until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people until, listen to this, this is important, until there was no remedy. What's another way to put that? Until it was too late. The prophets came, the messengers came, they preached the truth, repent, turn, be made righteous, turn to the Lord, turn away from your sin, turn away from that lifestyle, come be made a whole, come find righteousness and truth. And they rejected it until it was too late, until there was no cure, there was no remedy. That's scary, isn't it? These are the days that we're living in today. It says, just like it was in the days of Noah, but then he also says, like it was in the days of Lot. And immediately people think of the days of Sodom. Remember, Lot was a community member there in Sodom. And Sodom was judged with hailfire and brimstone raining down on Sodom. And the thing we think of with, we think of Sodom is we think of homosexuality as their sin, their grave sin for which they were judged. But you realize the scripture actually tells us the condition of their heart. In Ezekiel chapter 16, it says this, Behold, this was the guilt of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters had pride, there's one, had two, excessive food, there's two, three, they had prosperous ease, and four, they did not aid the poor or the needy. They were haughty and did an abomination before me, so I removed them when I saw it. So it's more than homosexuality that Sodom was judged for. There was pride, arrogance in their heart. You realize the scripture says in the end times that men will be lovers of pleasure and lovers of self rather than lovers of God. We look around the world today, we see it's just like it was in the days of Sodom and that haughtiness. What was the second thing there? That they had ease of food or they had plenty of food, right? The scripture says that in the end times that there will be men who will come whose God will be their bellies. They'll stop walking with Jesus because they're gratifying the lusts of the flesh to the certain degree. The third thing there is that they had an ease of life. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, the Lord warns his children and he says, listen to me. You be careful because when you enter into the promised land, you're going to start building for yourself houses. 
and you're going to have plenty of food, and your flocks are going to multiply, and you're going to multiply silver and gold. You're going to become wealthy. And in that day when you become wealthy, you're going to forget that it was me who delivered you from bondage in Egypt and brought you into this land. And you're going to think, look at what I've done with my hands. And you're going to forget the Lord your God, and you're going to turn and start worshiping other gods, which is an abomination to me. We look around the world today, and we have it pretty easy, don't we? Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley, with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.